Hi Rachel, what are you doing? Just put together episode 51 of the Lessons from Lost podcast. And who are you talking to this week? A lovely lady called Julie New. And what's Julie's story? Well, she talks about what she's learnt from losing her husband, her brother and the father of her children, which were all very different experiences. That sounds very sad indeed. Did she have a porcupine to console her? No, she had her dogs. That's very similar, I imagine. Let's find out more, shall we? Hello and welcome to Lessons from Loss, the podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and more importantly, what we learn from them that now positively guides our lives today. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, and each episode I chat with a different guest. I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the courage and vulnerability of all my guests in sharing their very personal experiences and also the impact that hearing these stories may have on you, the listener. So please take care as you listen. Today, I'm super happy to be chatting with Julie New, a personal recovery coach and author of two wonderful books, The Grief Garden Path and Who Are the Flowers in Your Garden? Julie has been widowed twice and lost her brother, and she brings all those personal experiences of loss, her coaching wisdom, and two decades of working with people in the NHS as a nurse and midwife to our conversation today. So welcome along, Julie. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much, Rachel. It's been uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Us sort of trying to sort of make this happen, but um, really, really lovely to to see you again and have, really have nice. this conversation. And the timing of it will be will be perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, as someone who also looks to nature for both sort of solace and and wisdom I really like that you use the garden and nature and flowers to to guide your clients in the work that you do and I know that we'll get on to that later but first of all I sort of wanted to acknowledge your own experience of of loss and what you've learned from it I mean I know from my own life to experience the death of a life partner is so difficult and you know a defining moment in anyone's life but to then experience it experience it again for a second time I just wonder how that was you know were they similar experiences or was it very difficult how did you how did you navigate them yeah um well I I always say that when when we lose a, a life partner we're not just losing a loved one we're losing an, an entire way of life so it's it's incredibly challenging isn't it Mm. to suddenly be in this situation and you know nothing's the same nothing yes yeah um but yes in in answer to your question that both my experiences of losing a life partner were completely different so um, and I actually dedicate my my book the grief garden path to these two men First one um, is is Richard, and he was the father of my two girls. Uh, we met when we were I was a student nurse, and he was um, he was a farmer actually. Um, he he later went on to become a police officer, um, and I think that's one of the reasons that that we didn't our marriage actually didn't last. Um, so we were together I think in total seventeen years. Um, 
but for one reason or another, um, we didn't, our marriage didn't last. Um, and I think that can be the case with, you know, people who, who are working shifts. And, yes. You know, you are like ships in the night and, yeah. you know, um, so, but it, I would say that Richard's death will almost, I, I think there'll be very little to surpass that um, as, a, as a most difficult day of my life because I knew of the impact that it was going to have on our girls mm. um, who, so this is coming up 15 years ago now. So it was in 2009. Um, he died very suddenly, um, completely out of the blue. He was 44 years old. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just completely devastating, completely devastating. And I, and I just remember feeling I hadn't spoken to him actually for two years. I'll be completely honest. I was so annoyed with him about something. Um, but actually, those two years gave our girls the best two years with their dad, because he was an incredible. He was he was an incredible dad. He was he was a really really good dad. Um, and yeah, I just but I just knew that the impact that that was going to have on on them going forward. Yeah. Yeah, and so, that is so hard when you're a parent as well, isn't it? I mean, I always think that, you know, when my husband died, the hardest thing that I had to do was was tell our daughter, and she was six at the time, and, and try and help her navigate through that as well as dealing yeah. with my own grief. Really, yeah. really hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I remember the day really clearly. Um so we we were actually living with um second um person I'm going to tell you about in a minute um Rob and he he hadn't been very well so um just to put this into some context when I met Rob he was already in a wheelchair so he was actually oh, paralyzed from mid chest oh gosh um but he was in he was in relatively good health when I met him and you know I had no idea what was to anyway what was to come and I'll talk about that in a minute um so we were living with living with Rob and he hadn't been very well our youngest my youngest daughter Polly she she'd she'd had glandular fever and she was quite poorly or had been quite poorly so she wasn't at school and um I remember going out the front door and my phone rang um we did still have we did have mobiles in those days (laughs) um and I didn't recognize the number uh, but I thought, oh, and I was in a bit of a rush, you know, like, you know, you're in a bit of a rush. And I I just got to the car. And I thought, oh, do and you think, oh, do I answer it? Don't I answer it? But anyway, I answered it. And it was this nursing sister at the end of the phone. And she said, I'm so sorry to have to tell you this, but, um, you know, Richard, Richard's died. I was like, what? You know, I, I, you, I, I just, I remember just standing there in the, in the street and, and then I realised that the tears were like coming down my cheeks, and and I thought, and then my next thought was, what do I do? You know, I, I'm I can't go in the house because Amy's not there. She'd gone to school, um, and she, the girls were going down on the train to school. So I thought, I can't, I can't go back into the house. What do I do? So um, I landed up on the doorstep of my neighbour, who I who had only moved in six months before. I remember knocking on her door. And she took one look at me and said, you know, just come in kind of thing. And 
And then she said, tea, tea, do you need, you know, do you? so we landed up drinking tea and I just remember sitting there and just absolute disbelief and, and very, very, almost, well, I think I was near hysterical because mm-hmm. it was just awful. It's like, because I knew what, as, you, as you've just alluded to, you know, um, you know, with your, your daughter, you know, you, yeah. So, and then later on that day, um, my my mum and my sister brought my, brought Amy home and I remember sitting them both on the settee and they were like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I remember as I told them, they both reacted very differently. So one of them um, reacted, I would say, in a similar way to how I had, but in, you know, but just this visceral kind of scream. And it was, oh, it's just awful, absolutely awful. And she ran off, she ran off upstairs. Um, and in fact, she she phoned her best friend who, and, and Amy has literally just gone um, just not so long ago before we started the podcast and and her best friend she just literally just spoke to her so just shows how that they're still you know they're still quite close and um yeah that and that was that was that was her but then Polly just sat there and she was like a little stone statue that's the only way I can describe her and there was just this solitary tear that kind of came down her her cheek and really and truly, that was that was the, the start of, you know, um, a, a very, very difficult time. And in fact, I wrote a, a blog, um, which is called Nigel. You hear somewhere. He's a little dog. <laughs> <laughs> that I got Polly for her 18th birthday. So this happened when she was, she just turned 13 that weekend. And to change her attitude towards her birthday many, many years later. I got her this little dog, and um, so that the, the actual story about what happened with Polly is in that blog. Um, you can find that on my website, which, um, which is quite a. There's some lovely pictures of Nigel when he was a puppy. He's tiny. Oh. <laughs> um, so that that was my first. That was my first experience. Um, I mean, that must have been quite difficult to navigate, given that you weren't together very anymore as well, because yeah. it's. Um, yeah, it's just uh, adds a, a different level of complexity to the emotions that yeah. you do feel, and perhaps what you may feel that other people expect you to to feel as well. I, given that, yeah, you, absolutely. You know, I, I mean, I I hadn't you seen together. his yeah, I hadn't seen his parents for quite a long time, um, for various reasons, and I remember making the decision I was going to take the girls down to see to them because he'd, he'd died in Exeter this was the other thing um he'd gone away with his partner to stay with her family just for a couple of days um he'd and he actually died in their house um and it was very sudden um and I remember going down there and I thought I was going to be leaving the girls down there because I, di- I didn't know how the land was going to lie but actually they they completely look I mean I remember his dad coming over and just hugging me and just saying please don't leave us you know we need you and I I you know I stayed and I remember going to see his see him the next day and I walked I remember walking into the room 
because it was at the hospital and it was a coroner's case because it was a sudden death. Yeah. Um, I went in with his mum and, and Amy and um, it was the right thing for me to do that. Um, and I remember, I remember going to kiss his forehead before I left the room and he felt so cold, he felt so cold. And I just remember just thinking... I don't know what I've, I don't know. I can't even remember what I thought. You know, it was just, it's just overwhelming sadness that, mm. you know, that, you know, he, he and the girls weren't going to have that, you know, um, that ongoing relationship anymore. Um, but it, and that it was going to be a painful journey for them, you know. Um, and uh you know and 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 you get life events we amy recently got married um and i i i actually am very happily married again actually um to neil and i remember um about, about a year before they got married she asked us over for dinner which is a rare occurrence rachel to be fair <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> they're always here for dinner but uh, yeah and uh did you suspect her... something was up <laughs> well exactly so, i mean neil hadn't got a clue but she pushed this box across the table at him and uh, it had a pair of cufflinks in it and a little note and it said can you would you would you do me the honor of walking me down the aisle and oh, i remember wow. getting the um the video of the wedding back and seeing neil walk with her you know, I mean, they've they've been on the right journey, you know, over the last ten years. Um, yeah. So, but but actually, it was it was a really special thing for him to do and to be asked to do. It was a big. It was a privilege, really. He, yeah, that's how he saw it. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's so that was that was. I mean, that's that's a very that's a bit of a snapshot of. Of Richard's death, um, Rob's was a very different thing because he was my husband, and uh, you know, um, when he died, his pain ended, but mine began. Mm. Yeah, because I always say that with great love comes great grief. Yeah. And that was my grief. That was my grief. That was my grief garden path that I was about to embark on. Um, I think I'm a naturally very positive person. And so even up until the day he actually died, I always had hope, you know, hope that he would somehow get better. You know, even, even the consultant, actually, to be fair, um, I remember coming up from the chapel um, this particular day and it was yeah he he took me to one side um they'd actually stopped the dialysis because he was on dialysis um oh. he'd been put onto that in September and this was in the no following November um and he'd been in hospital for five months and he he sat me down and he said we found another bug in his system you know like another septic because he'd got septicemia so right on top of renal failure, on Gosh. top of everything else that was kind of going on. He said, you know, we found this other um, bug, you know, and 
I'd really like to put a chest strain into him because I think it will help him breathe more easily. And I, t I remember taking his hand and saying to him, you have to let him go. You have to let him go. You know, he, he can't be put through anymore. Um, and, yeah, that was that was it. It was, you know, um, within a couple of hours after. They did actually, I did agree to the, the antibiotics to be given, but um, within probably a couple of hours, his, his breathing had changed. And, um, and it, was a, it was a wonderful thing, actually, in some respects, because um, we called her, she's called Tracy, we called her our angel nurse. So she'd known Rob longer than me. So she was his original district nurse at home. Oh, and then she, yeah, and then she'd gone and worked on the dialysis unit, and then she'd gone, she'd been promoted, and she got the sisters' post, and she came on the night shift. I mean, what, yeah. what were the chances mm. of Tracy coming on the night shift? You know, our angel nurse who knew Rob so well, but also knew me, and yeah. I remember her a few months before that. She, I remember her turning around to me and saying, "Julie, you've got to let us." do the care you've got to allow us you've got to be, be his wife you can't keep you know doing everything you know because mm. I suppose been... with your you know with your nursing experience it was probably quite hard to kind of divorce yourself from being a nurse to being um, the wife in that scenario perhaps I, th I think so I think I, I mean, I never, ever, ever thought of myself as his carer, mm. ever. I, I only ever saw the wheel. I only ever saw him. I never saw the wheelchair. Um, and and I remember a letter that um, one of the nurses wrote. I mean, the nurses came to his funeral. I remember a letter that she wrote. One of the nurses wrote and said, um, "You two are such an inspiration to us all. You know, you you make us laugh every day because you laugh every day." You know? There was always something that we'd find to, you know, laugh about. He actually, do you know what? He actually asked me to marry him in in a hospital bed. Really? <laughs> you want me to tell you the story? Yeah, go on. <laughs> oh, my, well, well. I mean, Rob's health was, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't the best in the last four years. We were, to, you know, in his last four years. We were together for almost nine years mm. in total. Um. And he'd been very, very poorly and I'd had to come in and, you know, they didn't know whether he was going to survive the night. And this is probably about a year and a half before he actually died. And um, I remember going into the, coming into the room, I'd gone home and then I'd gone back in again. Um, and the nurse was doing his blood pressure and it was really high. And I was like, oh, no, no, man, this is, you know, this is, this is bad. You know, this isn't, this isn't good. So anyway, she went running off out the room. Anyway, he took my hand <laughs> and she left the room and he said to me, will you marry me? And that was what I put his blood pressure up. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Did it go back so, down again when they rechecked yeah, it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, it's gone down when she came back in again. So that was all right. But um, no, it was, oh, it was, all, oh, it was quite really funny. Sweet. Really. Yeah. So, um, and, then he, and then he said, and it was so nice actually, because he, he then sent me off. He, he's always known that I, he always knew that I, I, I'd always wanted a, a ring from um, a beautiful jewellers called um, Harriet Kelsall. 
and they I, I used to see in um in good housekeeping this um they always used to put an advert in there mm-hmm. for engagement rings and there was always a lovely story behind the, the design of it and everything and he said I'd really like you to go and choose yourself a you know a ring from there and um I remember going there with his mum and um just you know sitting there and I was thinking Julie what why are you here he, he get because he gave first year we met he get he we were in this pub once and he pushed this box under the table and everybody thought he was asking me to marry him then and um it was a solitaire diamond ring and and I thought I was sat there and I was like twiddling this ring and and then I thought why am I here you know he's already bought me my ring so I went back to the hospital and he just put the ring on on my finger and oh yeah so that was really nice yeah yeah but that was that was just from start to finish we I mean, we spent a lot of time together because, you know, I worked from home um, doing my personal recovery coaching work. And yeah, I was I was just, you know, we were always together and he he worked from home as well. So, yeah, he was a product designer. Well, it sounds yeah. like it was a very special relationship between the two of you. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um and yeah, we're coming up to yeah his anniversary. He he will have he died eleven years ago almost. Yeah, so long time ago. But um, and I and I think I I'm I'm always a great believer that it's so important to allow yourself time to heal and to feel you know to feel the the emotions that come up and you know um, and just to be on that journey I, hard as it is because it is I, I I it's not it's not for the faint-hearted no you know, losing a loved one no it's I would say as a human as a human being it's probably one of the hardest things we ever have to face as a human being yeah and the path is is never a linear one either is no. it because it's no. it um, but certainly from my experience, as time goes on, maybe the bumps in the path just get a bit smoother. Yeah. But even, you know, 23 years on, there's still occasional yeah. bumps bumps in the path. Absolutely. I mean, I had one yesterday, actually. Last week, I, I got the news that um, my beloved dog, Ben, who, if anybody knows me, knows I love my dog. Um, and in fact, we very nearly didn't get a, get another dog because I'd I'd had a black Labrador called Ollie for seventeen years. Wow! And when he and he, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, I mean, everybody says what? Yeah. You had a Labrador for seventeen yeah. years? Yeah, we did. We did actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's another story in itself. But um. He died in the August and, and Rob's, Rob went on to the dialysis in the September. So bearing in mind, he had been very, very poorly and I was trying to still work. I'd, I'd got my first book coming out. There were lots, lots of stuff kind of going on. And yeah, I and he said, to, he turned around to me one day and he said, I think we should get another dog. I was like, you have got to be joking. I almost swore then, you've got to be joking me, you know. 
where you know where where am I going to have this time to you know and I and I and I don't think I was really that ready to get another dog either because Ollie had been our, in our lives for so long and he was such a wonderful wonderful dog and anyway I went into Rob's office in the garden which I'd had built for him actually when Richard died because when you've got a black Labrador under your wheels all the time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and two grieving teenagers mm. it's not it's not the happiest place to be you know and, and he's a bloke and he needed to, he needed space and of course being in a wheelchair he was only ever in, in that first floor you know of so course, I, I'd have yeah. this place space so he was out there and I went out there and uh, there was this picture of this it was like a, a nose with lots of fur around it. <laughs> and it was Ben. Well, he, he was called Teddy at the time. And this family um, had put him on the pre-loved site. I said, what are you looking at? What are you looking at, you know, dogs for? And he was like, oh, look, just look at him. Look, look, look at that, you know. So by four o'clock that afternoon, we were on our way, Polly and I, to go and go and get this um what turned out to be the most amazing dog and uh he, he just jumped in the car he he was like because he was six months old at the time and he was completely mental which is why they wanted to get rid of him right um they hadn't walked him they hadn't trained him they hadn't you know he they thought they were getting this little fluffy yeah. so anybody listening to this that wants to get a little fluffy dog do not be fooled that you're not going to have a lot of hard work because mm. they are hard work yeah, they don't um, stay little and fluffy, do they? And they don't stay little and fluffy, do they, Rachel? No, they do not. So anyway, so anyway, just jumped in the car and that was it. And that was that was Ben, really. <laughs> but I always say, so yes, so the reason I'm telling you this is because yesterday I was with a, a friend of mine actually took me out for a cup of tea because she knew about this. Um, ben has been diagnosed with a secondary cancer in his lungs which is inoperable, so they can't do anything about it. And I've made the big decision that I'm not going to treat him because, I've, we, you know, he's been through too much. You know, we've had this, he's had a massive operation and, you know, it hasn't, clearly hasn't worked. Yeah. But um, anyway, I was talking to this friend who is a trauma therapist, actually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so she so she so she knew she knew I needed to get out and just you know have a cup of tea and um it's really sweet of her actually it was lovely um I, I wasn't having trauma therapy by the way it was just um just a cup of tea um and we were just talking but about having and a I was, cup of tea I think he's, yeah you know. <laughs> tea, tea it's way. really tea, it's always yeah. the, the answer isn't it <laughs> tea let's have a cup of tea so um anyway she she was we were talking about Ben and, you know, and what, what's happened and, and what have you. And then she said, and I, I ended up telling him a bit more about Rob's story because nobody apart from me really saw what went on behind closed doors. And it was one of the most difficult journeys. I mean, his, his, the professor he was under used to say, Rob, you're one of the most complex patients I think I'll ever have in my career because he was he was very very complex and um I was telling her this story and uh 
And she said, and then I said, but, you know, I used to go home in the afternoon. I'd go and walk Ben. And and then on a Tuesday night, I'd go I'd go training with him. And I, I worked really, really hard with him because he was a nightmare. And um, but then when he died, I always say, Ben got me out the front door. Yes. Yeah. So and then she said to me yesterday, well, do you realise how inextricably inextricably linked your love for Rob is with your love for Ben and the journey that you, you know, the reason you got him and, and, and I just like felt this emotion kind of welling up because, you know, like, like you said, Rachel, you know, it, it's not there all the time anymore no. that that raw visceral kind of not being able to control your emotion you're not you know you're not being able not being able to control the tears um coming out of your eyes you know it's um yeah it was just that moment momentary emotion yeah, that came up you know and we don't ever see that the wider i don't like those those wider wider ripples or or where there are um connections and and links that that then come along as a as a you know as a as a surprise and it's like mm. oh yes actually I can see yeah. how those two yeah are yeah. so related absolutely and then when things yeah. like that happen it it does yeah a, another bump in the road to to process and to to work through yeah, 100%. Such a lot to have to have been through. So at what point did you, had you already started in your personal recovery work by that point or was that something that came along as a result of it? Yeah, no. And so a lot of people think that I went into the work I do because of everything we've been through yeah. as a family not at all no I um I started the work I do 17 years ago right so in 2005 I left made a massive decision to leave nursing um and it was my it was my own coach actually um I'd had personal coaching myself um for for quite a while um had no absolutely no intention of ever leaving nursing you know, you cut me through the middle right now and you will find that nurse. Yeah. You know? um, I was inspired to become a nurse, actually, by um, this Ladybird book that um, I had as a little girl. And oh. I just used to carry this book around and I used to, you know, just love the look of what, what the nurse did. And I think I think it's, you know, I I loved... I loved my career as a nurse and, and as a midwife. I, I didn't leave because I didn't want to be a nurse anymore. Mm. It was more, I knew I had more to do in the world. And, and yeah. also I knew that, you know, I mean, I'd got to the top grade in nursing. And so I was always, I was always very, people are always really important to me in my life. And um, I, and my teams were important to me and I, I always used to make sure that they were growing personally and you know if they had a difficult time you know I'd be there and you know, make sure that they got everything they needed and and what have you and but I I was I was very unhappy in my marriage which is one of the reasons that I 
I started having, well, was, was it the reason I started having coaching? I don't think it was really. I think it was just that I knew I needed to make some changes. Um, and yeah, it was years later. My coach said to me one day, who became, who has become a great friend of mine, and actually shared her story in the Grief Garden Path, um, along with with eight others. And she said to me one day, you know, Julie, have you ever thought about becoming a coach? And I was like, no. <laughs> she said, I, I just think you'd be such a good coach. Because a good coach will ask good questions that make you think more deeply about your life. You know, they'll they're 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 there as a support you know they're there as you know your cheerleader and your you know your everything you know it's 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 that creating that amazing I mean this amazing space I have here um you know you can see the dove of peace behind me it's not the real one Rachel it's not the real one (laughs) it's um Picasso for anybody that didn't catch that it's the Picasso's dove of peace and the reason it's there is because that's what I want for people when I work with them you know, to eventually find that peace within themselves and within their own homes. Because if you don't have it there, you have it nowhere. No. You know, and, and you know, what I do, I motivate and I inspire people to live their best lives, you know, even when things have got really tricky. You know, I'm not a therapist. I always refer if I need to. Um, and, but it's, you know, it's about finding that, you know, being able to go into your new chapter you know, eventually feeling better within yourself. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of, yeah, that's, so I, so yeah, I put my two girls into one room. They weren't very happy about that. Um, <laughs> and I rented, I rented two rooms out of my house in order to do my coach training. And then I started Changes Forever, my business in March, 2006 with the thought of working with people personally, but I had absolutely no idea at that point that over to over a two-year period I was going to start doing the work I do and you know so I, I mean the first client I ever took on was going through a very very tricky divorce um very tricky um I've I work you know so I work with people who have been through difficult and sometimes traumatic life change so that can be but but generally there's a grief element yeah. to it there's there's a some kind of loss whatever that might be well um, that's the thing isn't it because loss isn't just about death and bereavement it shows up in so many different yeah. ways yeah so yeah so you know in answer to your question no. <laughs> no no and I had no idea what was to come on in my own life no idea at all absolutely not a clue I thought you know I thought if anything, I thought my divorce was bad enough, you know, but that was mm. pales into insignificance in um but it was I mean that was bad enough in, in itself, but no, just And do you feel that what you've learned from your own experiences you can now utilize that then to to help the people that you work with? I think I think when I wrote my book I what I realized was because I, I changed the dedication in it actually just about three weeks before it went to print in 2019. Um and is I this changed the grief the dedica- one or the flowers. Yeah, yeah. The grief yes, one, yeah. the grief garden path. I changed the dedication in it to Richard and Rob. And the reason I did that was because 
I realised that within the book, I mean, it's a very short read. It's it's a it's a gift book, so it can just sit by your bed. Do you know what I mean? And it can give it can, it can give it can give you something because so much love has gone into that book. So much of my clinical, you know, like there's a bit of clinical experience in there. I learned a lot through through my my work as a nurse and a midwife. Um, I knew a lot about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. I've I'd read her memoirs. Um, for anybody that doesn't know who Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is, she's the original um, doctor who, back in the forties, um, recognised that actually, when we actually her first book is called Death and Dying. Um, and what she recognised, even in the dying patient, that actually we start to feel things and we we, we go through different emotions. Um, and as you said earlier, you know, quite often those emotions are not linear. Mm. So they can they can appear at any random old time. And, you know, it, you know it's about understanding that maybe you're going to you're going to go through different emotions and it's how you you navigate that. Um, and and with but when I was thinking about the dedication I thought to myself actually the people who have taught me the most about grief in its rawest form were Richard and Rob and 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 their deaths and and you know um, and the girls you know and their journeys and Mm -hmm. um and so that's why it was it was you know it was changed, and uh, and then you 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 mentioned my brother um, earlier, and that was another irony because so I was my brother's acting next of kin. My brother suffered for many many well all of his life really with his with a, fr- a very fragile mental health. Um, I think that's the best way to describe it. Made us very fragile as a family, I, th- I would say. Um, and he died very suddenly. Again, another phone call that I received. Um, I'd literally just gone into the garden here. Um, and this was in the first lockdown. Um, and it was this hysterical woman on the end of the phone saying that he died. He was like, he's, well, I won't, I won't, I won't sort of say what, sure what she said. But anyway, I landed up going down there. And I, I remember walking into his house that my parents had rented for him and all I could see I'm going to make you laugh I hope I'm going to make you laugh now and because it's a bit of a sad thing isn't it talking about all this but all I could see were chickens running about I was like Richard what have you what what have you what have you done and apparently he'd been saying to everybody nobody tell Julie that that I've got these chickens Oh, because he knew what I'd say, you know, <laughs> out they go, you know, anyway. Um, and the police officer, I remember her asking me um, um, if I'd like to go and see him. And because he died very, very suddenly and he was in his bed. And I just remember thinking to myself, you know, I was I was actually really quite pleased that I went to see Richard, which I told you about earlier, mm, Richard, yes. husband Richard. Yes, yeah. But when I went to see Rob, Robert, Rob died in my arms, and I, I'm not sure going to see him afterwards 
was such a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. If I'm honest. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I, I can relate to that experience. I, um, my husband died at home, you know, with me by his side, and and I went and saw him afterwards, and and I wished that I hadn't really. Yeah. But you know, it's yeah. it's different situations each time, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And I, I just remember thinking a very conscious thought. It's a weird one, isn't it? You know, you've got the police there and you've got the chickens running about and lovebirds and the dogs, yeah. you know, oh, God. Um, I just, but I thought, no, I, I need to go and see him. And I remember going up the stairs really carefully, really quietly going up the stairs. And then I, I remember poking my head around the, the door and I and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. My brother, I have never seen him look so peaceful in, in his life, oh, ever. And the, the irony, of course, is that he's called Richard. I dedicated my book to Richard and Rob. And my brother actually taught me something else about when somebody you love dies. And that's that actually you can feel relief mm. for that person. Yeah. Yeah. And my mum and I both, I remember going to tell my parents. I mean, can you, I, I should never have, you know, you should never have to tell your parents that, you know, their, their child's died. Um, he was 48 years old. He, was, he wasn't very old. Um, and my mum said, should I go and see him? And I said, yes, I think you should. And I'd, I'll be with you, you know. Um, oh, and by the way, he was hand-rearing five baby quail as well by his bed. As well as the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, dear, dear. Honestly, Richard, <laughs> what were you thinking? Anyway, so so that was another, um, you know, it was an awful mess that needed clearing up, including the chickens. And, um, yeah. Just... And that's the thing, isn't it? Every experience is so different. I mean, obviously, it's different from person to person, and my experience will be different to your experience, but then each of our own experiences is so different, which is why I, I think, you know, I've, and I, I hope that I'll never run out of guests for this podcast because everybody's experience of whatever the loss is that they've yes. experienced is so different and you know we can learn by hearing about other people's experiences yeah. um that that help us in you know navigating and, and managing and dealing with our with our own yeah. experiences but yeah everyone 100%. so different yeah yeah I'm, I'm just looking i'm just noticed my ring here um sorry i know you can't see it if you if you're listening to this podcast but um i did get my my engagement ring from Harriet Kelsall. Oh, lovely. And and actually what it does, it it represents flow. Um, mm. I don't think you can see that, Rachel, but it's um it's actually like the waves of the sea. Oh yes. Um, oh how beautiful. And then and Neil actually had it inscribed in it um to to keep watering you. Oh and I didn't I didn't know he he had it done um as a as a surprise so that oh, was that was really lovely. that was really lovely and 
Now, I think I think also you can find happiness again. Yeah. You know, it it doesn't negate the the absolute love I had for Rob at mm. all in any way, shape or form. But I think eventually I've allowed myself to be happy again. Yeah. I've allowed, you know, it's taken a very, very long time, I would say. And, and Neil, Neil would probably agree with me with that. Um. But actually, I'm I'm incredibly blessed that you know we we met and we're you know we're we're very very happy and yeah. you know and 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 as I said you know he 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 walked Amy down the aisle um, and we're finding out later what you know what our next grandchild's going to be boy or girl pink or blue oh lovely <laughs> what today you're finding that out yeah yeah oh, yeah they're, they're finding out today so. You know, it's um. There's a lot. There's a lot to be thankful for, and I think there's yeah. a lot to be um, be happy, happy about. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? That life does still continue on, and yeah. we have to carry on and and live our lives the way that they're going to be. But we can, but we can do that in a way that still honors and respects and and treasures the time however short or long that we had with with that person that we, that we have lost you know I absolutely I always think that you know the time that I with my husband you know I, I feel privileged to have had that time and it wasn't as long as obviously we had you know hoped and, and planned for but I still treasure all of that yeah but in the same way as you know I, I treasure the time that that I have with my partner now and it's it's just all part of life isn't it that it, it absolutely is and and I, I I always say that a love like that you know if you've truly loved somebody that love never dies mm. it's always with you it goes with you on your journey moving forward and also the memories you know and, and there's a there's a wonderful um some in fact <laughs> Our carpet fitter. Actually, that's really interesting. This carpet fitter, he's called Danny. Right. And uh, Danny actually said to his son when we went to go and have this, go and choose this carpet, he said, he said, oh, he said, Julie's a psychiatrist, you know. And I said, Danny, I'm really not a psychiatrist. And he was like, well, you know what I mean. He said, he said, you've really helped my wife with your book. And because um, she'd lost her mum and she she did. She found my book really helpful. Oh. Anyway, I said, have you read have you read this book that you're you're recommending? And he said, oh, he said, no, he said, I, I, I listen to he does, it's, actually he listens to podcasts. So I oh, send, okay. him, send him a yeah. copy, send him this one because he's featuring in it. And uh, he said, oh, he said, um, he said yeah, I, 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 I prefer to listen to things. So I made a promise to him. That one day I would do an audio recording of the Grief Garden Path book, gift book. And actually, as we were discussing earlier, I am actually going to do that. And my goal is to get it released in National Grief Awareness Week. Mm-hmm. And a percentage of the hard copy go to the Good Grief Trust, because I kind of felt that that was a way of all the uh, under the umbrella of the Good Grief Trust, all the different charities and all the yeah. different, you know, because 
within the Grief Garden Path book, there's in chapter three, there are nine stories of the loss of a loved baby, the loss of a loved child, sibling, parent, grandparent, husband, wife, friend and pet, because I've, I wanted everybody to be recognised, you know, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so so yeah, I'll have to uh, I'll have to honour that, won't I? For, for Absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, th- I think he'll really benefit from that as well. And the National Grief Awareness Week is the second to the eighth of December, yeah. is it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to be lighting up the lighting up the uh, UK in orange. Yeah, on the eighth, so yeah, oh, on the last fantastic. day. Yeah, I remember going to um, Westminster Abbey to a really special ceremony there that the Good Grief Trust um, created um, when when National Grief Awareness Week was was launched, and it was just such a privilege to be there. It was a, an evening service. It was lovely. Is there a short excerpt of your book that you could read out now, perhaps? Actually, what I what I generally suggest to people is is that they keep the book close because it's a really short read and just occasionally because when you're grieving you you very rarely can concentrate for long enough on anything yeah. I remember buying a book I won't say who it was by but I remember buying this book about grief when I lost Rob actually and it just sat there mm. it was just too it was just too much and yeah. I just remember when Grief Garden Path came out it was yeah it, I just remember thinking, well, actually, you know, people can cope with that, can't they? Actually, they'll get quite a lot from it. So shall I? I did, in fact, I did a, web, a live webinar with Dying Matters, which was Hospice UK um, with Car- Catherine Mannix. Oh, fantastic. Um, back in 2020, it was. Um, and we, d- we didn't want to be really talking about our books. We just wanted to be talking about she wanted you know she's she's very much um she's a palliative care she was yes. a palliative care consultant wasn't she for many yeah. many years and I was talking more about the bereavement side of side of life and uh so I said oh I came up with this really good idea that we'd open the book at a page which is what I encourage people to do and actually what she did she actually opened it up at, page, at chapter four she landed up doing the whole exercise but we didn't know and then we, we were going to read from our books. So I'll do that now. I'll just open it at a random page and see yeah. what we find. Oh, <laughs> Right, okay. So I've opened it up at page 48 and 49. That's within chapter three. And so we've got Hazel's story, The Loss of a Loved Husband. Hazel chose a, a water lily to represent Alan mm. because very sadly he he died by suicide and when I asked her what she'd like to represent him from the garden she she immediately said the water lily and I said why have you chosen a water lily and she said to me because on the surface he looked all right I would never have known but underneath there was probably he was probably drowning but she didn't know and so the roots were all tangled and, you know, and that's why she chose the um, the water lily. And then on that's the other page. so powerful, isn't it, about 
you know, the work that you do in getting people to use plants and flowers to, I suppose, represent what they're going through is just explains it so beautifully that if you were just trying to explain it without that would probably be really really difficult to comprehend but as soon as you give that explanation it's like yeah of course yeah of course it would be that but maybe what I do is so the the jacket has the story behind it so Rob always used to buy me pink roses and on the I'll read you the poem so when he died I had a lots and lots of cards and four of them were the same card and they all had pink roses on them and um there's a poem this poem so I'm gonna I'll probably finish with the poem if that's all right yes um because the actual jacket is is um is actually from a photograph it's a it's a painting from a photograph um of the new dawn roses that used to climb up the the office that I told you about earlier I'm just trying to find the, I do know where it is, so you can just bear with me. Talk amongst yourselves, make a cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. So the rose beyond the wall. A rose once grew where all could see, sheltered beside a garden wall. And as the days passed swiftly by, it spread its branches straight and tall. One day a beam of light shone through, a crevice that had opened wide. The rose bent gently towards its warmth, then passed beyond to the other side. Now you who deeply feel its loss, be comforted. The rose blooms there, its beauty even greater now, nurtured by God's own loving care. We we had trouble deciding where the rose was going to go. Mm. <laughs> And how yeah. we were going to get it to the other side of the book. But if you have a copy, you'll see the rose is blooming on the other yes. side of the page. Yeah. On the other side of the book. And oh, a little robin. Beautiful. Little robin just on the watering can. Um, and those are all representing all the flowers in the garden. Copies from that, that people have chosen yes. within the book. Yeah. It's just such a, a beautiful way of of being able to, I suppose, relate to things using using nature in that yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, my, my most important message, which probably is a good message to finish with, is to keep watering you. Keep watering you, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And if you do those things, you know, and since the book came out, actually, there's I've, I've gone one step further so when so if you're very raw in your grief and you're what you're listening to this basic watering just really really basic and I, I the the basic watering that I talk about is eat sleep breathe repeat and then you can gradually start to incorporate stuff in um, yeah. you know a bit of exercise or whatever yeah, yeah. But yeah, we, you have to really be very, 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 very gentle with yourself. But keep watering you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for coming on, Julie. I've really enjoyed our conversation and hearing about your experiences, but you know, that wisdom that you 
that you share and the, the beautiful book. And yeah, very much looking forward to listening to it on audio when it comes out. And yeah, yeah, I've got to get I'm sure it'll be lovely. <laughs> I, it will be because it's got are you going to narrate it? I am, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then it really does come from the come from yeah. the heart and I think I think I've, I've actually I think I've decided I'm actually going to include the poem in there as well. Yes. Yeah, because I want to describe the you know, the story behind the jacket, because I think that's that's quite quite poignant as well so yeah but thank you so much for having me today Rachel I really really appreciate you know being asked and um really uh, really hope that um it reaches you know it reaches the people that it it needs to thank you and likewise likewise with your book thank you thank you so much Julie really enjoyed that conversation it was very much a conversation of hope and warmth and laughter I really hope that you got something from it too if you'd like to find out more about Julie's work you can look at her website which is julienew.co.uk details are in the episode notes thank you so much to everybody who supports me in the production of this podcast to Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music and of course to you thanks so much for listening for sharing I'll be back soon with another lesson from last